good to see all of you. It's a good day. Man, it's great, great to see you. How many felt the presence of the Lord? That's what this is all about. That's it. None of this other stuff. It's all part of it. But if he's not here, then we're wasting our time. And so that's why we take our time and worship. That's why we want to just set, set the atmosphere, let Jesus come do whatever he wants to do. And then he's going to send his word. He's going to speak his word over us today. Um, I want to say this, that uh, I love that Hank hit it and, and uh, mentioned the diversity that's in the house. And it's the way it should be because we all have the same dad, no matter where we came from. He's, we, we, we said this, he's the Nigerian dad. He's the Indian dad. He's the Mexican dad. He's the, he's the Chinese dad. He's the American dad, right? He's all of our dad. And so when you're in the father's house, we all sit at the table and I love what God's building. And I love that I get to be a part of it. And a lot of this is fulfilling prophecies over this house that, that this place would be a house of prayer for all nations, for all nations that people would come here and they would recognize the atmosphere of their father when they come into this house. And so I pray that you feel him today. I pray that you experience an encounter with him. Um, If you open your Bible to Joshua chapter five, we can go ahead and throw that last slide up there if you don't mind. Thank you, Josiah. Um, I have something a little bit different today. Um, I I normally operate in a teaching uh, gift. That's typically what I do or pastoral, probably 75% of the time. That's what I do when I get up here. Uh, it's not just what I'm comfortable with. It's just, the, it's a gifting the Lord's given me. Um, and then the other 25% of the time, it's, it's all take an apostolic view of the world and how the church should fit into the, the whole global church, not just our little church here, but the global church and what God's doing on the earth. And he's building, he's restoring the house of David. I love that Shagun read that. He's restoring the house of David, which is the worship and the prayer together, right? House of prayer for all nations. And so, and then other times I, I, I teach with a prophetic a voice on it. Um, and that's what I'm going to do today. I feel like the Lord gave me, it's not even a sermon. It's not a teaching. It's just a prophetic word that I want to give today um, from scripture. And here's what's going to happen. I want to, I'm going to say, I wrote this because I want to declare it over you. Okay. Nothing happens in the kingdom without a declaration. We have to say it. It's when we say what he's saying that we tap into what he has. So if I hear him say something, I need to just say what he's saying. What did Jesus say? I only do what I see my father do, and I only say what I hear him say. So you could take the other side of that and say, if I don't see the father doing it, I don't do it. And if I don't hear the father say it, I don't say it. Just shut our mouth. So today, this is what I'm declaring over you. I'm going to speak this prophetically. The truth that you will encounter today will come through a prophetic anointing. It's going to unlock something inside of you. The Holy Spirit is going to teach you today. You're going to hear a word And the Holy Spirit's going to teach you today. He's going to speak very clearly to you. You're going to hear direction. And he's going to give you a word that's specifically designed for you. He's going to be your chef today. And he's going to make you the meal you need. You're going to become equipped today with new tools and with new weapons. All fear, timidity, and inferiority will leave you today. I'm going to say it again. All fear, timidity, and inferiority are going to leave you today. You will leave a different person. The Holy Spirit is going to turn you into another person today. The scripture appears from Psalm 18, verse 34, and it says, he teaches my hands to make war. Why don't you take your hands and just declare that, God, you teach my hands to make war 
and I can bend a bow of bronze. That speaks of the strength that he gives you. Like, I can't even imagine bending a bronze bow. It's hard enough sometimes. How many of you have ever used, uh, ar- done archery and you've had to pull the, 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 the bow back? It takes strength. Like there's different pounds of pressure you have to have. He's saying, the Lord teaches my hands for war so diligently and so greatly that I can take a bronze bow and pull it back and use it for warfare. I can do anything is what he's saying. And so uh, this... I have never thought of this or seen this or, or gone through this in teaching before, but yesterday I was sitting at a soccer game and the Lord told me to open my Bible. I don't even know why, but he said Joshua 5. And so I opened to Joshua 5 and I began to read. And so I'm gonna read the whole chapter to you and I'm gonna talk through it. And then the Lord's gonna speak prophetically and touch people's hearts. So Joshua chapter five, if you don't know what's just happened, Moses just died and the baton has been handed off to Joshua. And God made the same promises to Joshua that he made to Moses. He says, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. And he told them the same thing he told Moses. Make sure that you obey all the commands that I give you, whatever they are. Just do what I tell you to do, and then you will be successful. And I will go with you. You will not be alone. And so he makes these promises, and then they spend this whole time like 40 years in the wilderness wandering around. And there's a reason to this, and I never saw this before, I never understood it before, but I'm gonna speak prophetically to everyone in the house and then to Fire Life as a church today. So Joshua 5 verse one, it says, now it came about when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites um, who were by the sea uh, heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they crossed, their hearts melted. Everyone say their hearts melted. I'm gonna read from this other translation too because there's a couple of things that highlighted to me. Basically, when they heard that Joshua had an anointing on him like Moses had on him, and they stretched out and walked across this Jordan River just like they had done before, when they heard that, uh uh-oh, Israel's God is uh, around again, and he's performing signs and wonders. And the hand of this God of Israel is upon Joshua the same way it was on Moses. It says that all of their strength and all of their spirit to make war with Israel left them. They no longer wanted to fight Israel. And Israel didn't even have to make war here. All they had to do was cross the Jordan and go into the promised land. Come on. When they heard the waters had dried up from the children of Israel, their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. And at that time, all right, here we go. So they just had this wonderful victory and then here comes the pruning of the heart. And at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise all the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself, and he circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. Now, this is crazy. I know, it's in the Bible. I'm just reading the Bible. It's all right. It's, it's a crazy story. But what you need to understand is that every male that was born in Egypt didn't go through the proper religious ceremonies that all the other males had gone before, that God had commanded them to go through. And so all of these people, some of them were 40 years old, had never been circumcised according to the law of God. 
And God says, okay, you crossed the Jordan. I gave you victory. Your enemy's heart has melted within them. They have no spirit to come after you anymore. Now I need you to go and I need you to circumcise every male, which was like, gotta be horrible. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine. I can't imagine. And, and so basically he, he did what God told him to do. And all, it says the reason that this happened was because all the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war had died. Everyone look at that in, in, your, in your Bible, verse four. All the men of war had died. Do you understand what's happening here? I, I never saw this. I, never made this, I ne never made this connection. God is taking Israel out of bondage into the promised land where they're going to have to fight and make war. And he allows every one of those who knows how to fight and make war die. It doesn't make any sense. If you're sending a nation in to conquer other nations, don't you think you would build up your military might and you would train people for warfare? But God's like, no, I'm gonna let everyone who's ever gone to war, they're gonna die. And there's gonna be no one who knows how to make war. The only people here are, are young men who've never been circumcised and don't know anything about war. That's who I'm gonna take into the promised land to make war. God does what he wants, right? He's God. So they had all died in the wilderness. Not only, all right, you gotta see this. So not only did they die in Egypt, then he took 40 years just to take them on a walk to make sure they all died. So the ones that didn't die in Egypt that were warriors now go, and they're probably thinking, yeah, we're going to get out of this. But then, see, they forgot because they didn't believe the Lord that they weren't allowed to go to the promised land. And so the Lord's like, we're taking you on a 40-year walk. And that 40-year walk is to deal with your disobedience. Because where you're going, you can't fight the way you used to fight because you have no weapons of war. You have no warring men. You have no one to fight because of your disobedience. You're going to have to fight a different way, and it's only through obedience. So for all the people who came out, they, they, were, they uh, had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way had not been circumcised. Verse six, for the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which he promised to, his for, to the forefathers, the land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place, in their place. For they were uncircumcised. So it was verse eight, when they had finished circumcising all the people, they stayed in their places in the camp until they were healed. So every single male was circumcised in a ceremony to please the Lord. And then they had to stay in a camp until they were all healed up. Then the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach from Egypt. And you're to call this place Gilgal. Now the children of Israel camped there at Gilgal and then they observed the Passover. So picture this, the Lord causes them to, cross, to walk for 40 years. All the warriors die in Egypt or in the wilderness. They cross the Jordan all their enemies are now, I have no, nothing in me to fight you because God just scared us because we know God's with you again. 
Now all the young men get circumcised. And after they heal up, they go and they worship the Lord in the Passover. And they camped out on the plains of Jericho. Y'all know Jericho, right? And listen to this. They ate the produce of the land. You see this? What was their meal before then? Manna every single day. Manna every single day, but the seventh day. And they gathered the manna and they ate it. And they gathered it and they ate it. But the moment they ate the produce from the promised land, the manna stopped. So it says right here. They ate the produce. On, and then on the very same day, the manna ceased. Verse 12. No more manna from God. It's a different, a different sustenance is coming to you. And it's going to come from the land that I promised you. So the land that is your promised land, you're going to work this land. You're going to have fields and you're going to have vineyards and there's going to be fruit come from the promise I gave you. And you're going to eat from your promises. <laughs> and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and he looked. I love this. This is... The Bible is the best book ever written. It's so, like every young man, every boy, read the Old Testament. It will, it will turn your man heart on. It will make you like, I want to fight. I want to do stuff for God. I want to be just like all these guys, right? It just does something for you, right? So as he's there, he looks up and behold, he sees a man standing opposite of him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or against us? <laughs> I need to know what I'm up against here. Uh, I got a bunch of guys back here. None of them know how to fight. They don't know anything. And I need to know, am I dying today or not? <laughs> so, so the person said to him, no, but I stand before you as the commander of the army of the Lord. <sighs> and Joshua fell on his face. And he worshiped God. And he says, what does my Lord say to his servant? Now, what happened when Moses walked by the burning bush? What did God tell him? Take off your shoes because this is holy ground. As I was with Moses, Joshua, I'm going to be with you. He sees the commander of the angel of the Lord's army. And he falls on his face and begins to worship God and says, what do you have to say to me? And the commander of the Lord's army said, take off your sandals because where your feet are is holy ground. As I was with Moses, I will be with you, Joshua. Look, there's so much here to unpack. unpack. But what jumped out at me was, let me just ask it this way. And I, I'm gonna ask for a response, like raise your hand. How many of you are facing things or have a destiny or purpose for your life and you look at it and you feel like, I'm not equipped for that? Maybe some of you even said it this week. I can't do this. I can't do what you called me to do, Lord. I don't know how to do it. Do you know when I, I freak out the most in life is when a problem arises that I don't know how to fix. But here, here's the dangerous part of that. When a problem arises that I know how to fix, I don't freak out as much and I don't really lean on the Lord as much because I think I can fix it. 
But when something arises that I have no weapon of war for or no tools in my belt to fix, I freak out and I get a little bit angry and depressed and not fun because I don't know what to do. And I feel like a lot of us are in that place right now. Like the Lord's calling you to something specific and you feel that tug on your heart. You're like, Lord, I know you're calling me to this, but I don't know what to do. And it's created a holy frustration inside of us because what we're realizing is the thing he wants us to realize. It's that I have nothing to bring to the table here. That's the thing he wants out of us more than anything is surrender. Where our, our reliance is completely on him and his spirit and not of ourselves. It's this picture here in Joshua 5. I'm going to let all the mighty men of war die in Egypt or die in the wilderness because you're going to fight wars and you're not going to fight the same way you used to fight and you don't have tools for it. You're going to need me. You're going to need to do whatever I tell you to do. And I feel that's what the Lord's saying to us. I feel like he's about to train us men and women for war again and it's going to look very differently. He's going to train our hands for war and we're going to pull back the bronze bow and we're going to make war with the enemy. And it's not going to be familiar ways of war. How did they defeat Jericho? (laughs) They took a walk, something they were really good at. (laughs) They walked around and around. Something they probably weren't good at. They kept their mouths shut as they walked. And then when the Lord said to shout on the seventh time, on the seventh day, they shouted. What a weird way to win a war. And that was just the start (laughs) of the strange ways in which Israel made war from then on. Weird things happen. You're going to take some pictures. You're going to put torches in them and you're going to throw them on the ground. And all these weird things happened because they had a new way of warfare. It was we have now our captain is the captain of the Lord's army. And our weapon of war is obedience to whatever he tells us to do. So that's my word for you today. You have a new captain today. You're not the captain. The Lord is the captain. And whatever he says, just do it. It may sound really weird. It may not make any sense. But you're not going to fight the way you used to fight. And you're going to see so much victory from weird things, just simple acts of obedience, simple acts of obedience. The Bible is full of them where a humble woman or a humble man just did what the Lord asked him to do. And it was a small thing and it changed nations. Look what Esther did for her nation just by doing a small thing. It's all through the Bible. It was, it was very rarely some huge, uh, grandiose thing. It was almost always some humble, simple act of obedience that won, won the day for nations. And the Lord wants you to win today. Amen. Do you realize that? Like, he wants you to win. He does not want you to be in perpetual warfare without victory. He doesn't want you to be like the United States of America's army where we're in war everywhere, but we don't win wars. And what does it do to your military? It drains them. It, it, it takes the fight out of them because we don't make war for war. You fight for victory. 
The reward is why you fight. And so many of us in the room are listening. You've been fighting for so long with no victory that you're worn out and you're tired. And the Lord says, you're not fighting for war anymore. You're going to see victory. And as you begin to see the victory, the victory is what's going to give you the will to fight the next battle. See, you're taking territory for your family. Like, I don't know if we've, like, we probably have moments where this really sets in when we look at our kids and we think, man, I'm doing this for them. Or you look at your family and you're like, I'm doing this for them so they have a better future. That's what you're doing right now. You're not fighting just to fight. You're not fighting to survive. How weary does that make us to fight just to survive? How many have ever been there? Like, oh my gosh, it just takes every bit of fight in me just to get up. You are not. Your hands have been made to fight and to war. He's trained your hands for warfare, not for survival. He's trained you for conquest not just existing in the wilderness. Yes, sir, is a military term to be used in times of warfare. That's the prophetic word I've had for 15, 20 years. Yes, sir, is a military term to be used in times of warfare. Guess what, everybody? We are in the times of warfare. As Christians, we have, never, we have never experienced what we're experiencing right now. There is an all-out assault and a war, and it's evil that's fighting now. It's not just passivity. It's not just, um, uh, it's not just world culture. It's actual evil. And if we're over here fighting just to survive then we're not winning the battles that the world needs us to win. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling like um, a new, like, uh, what's the word? A new zeal. See, like, um, passion can go away. Like you can feel passionate about a thing and then that thing happens and then your passion can diminish. But zeal doesn't go away. And the Bible says that the zeal for the house of the Lord consumed Jesus. So he lived like a man possessed with his father's business. And that's what he paid the price for, for you and I to enter into the the absolute opportunity to access the relationship he had with his father where the zeal for God's house would consume us. I was... I don't want to take it to a sad place, but I'll start there for a minute. So give me a second. As I looked back, I was, I was looking back this week in the last few weeks, um, especially with, with Ken's passing and just thinking about um, the great men that, that we've lost through the years. Just great men of war. Um, I mean, I wear my papa's ring on my, my neck every single day to remind me what a man of war he was for the Lord. And, um, and so I was thinking about fire life and I'm like, 
Who's going to step into Olin Vaughn's shoes? Where's the next James Cohey? <laughs> Where's the next John Robinson? Just steady, faithful. Some of you know some of these people. If you don't, they're just great men that have been here through the years. Where's the next Tyrus Masetki? That Native American fire in him, man. Oh, I miss that man. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, it's kind of like some of our men of war died in Egypt or in the wilderness. We've been walking around for 20 years as a church. And I feel like the Lord's been circumcising our heart for a few years now. And maybe today's our day we cross the Jordan as a church and signal to the enemy that God's with us and we're with him and that our only weapon of war we need is obedience and humility. And what if today is the day that changes? What if 20 years from now we look and there's this date? What is today's date? I don't even know. August 13th, 2023. What if that date's on the wall as a day that everything changed and we tell our kids that day we crossed the Jordan? And we begin to possess the things the Lord told us were ours. See, here's the thing about promises from God. It was out of his heart that he gives them to us. It was not ambition going after these things. It was his heart that says, I want this for you. If it was ambition, it would turn, it would turn to, uh, it would rot in our hands. Like if they kept the manna for too long, it would rot. But if we begin to eat the produce of our victories, it's perpetual. There's seed and harvest involved. Hello? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish with this point. When we're eating the manna, it's just for now. It just gets us by for today. Hello? How many have been eating manna? Like, oh man, I got me by another week. Got me by another day. No, you're about to eat from the produce of your garden in your promised land. It's perpetual. And guess what? You can go to that garden tomorrow and there'll still be more fruit and there'll be more vegetables because it's your land that the Lord is going to cultivate for you. Amen. You don't have to worry. Lord, let it be. Come on. So God took a group of people who had no fighting men into a land that required lots of fighting. And he told them, all you have to do is just do what I tell you to do. Too often we think the Lord is leading us into battles we're equipped to fight. Hello? <laughs> but the Lord told David, don't count your men of war. Remember that when God told David, don't do it? And David disobeyed and it cost him a battle. He got a bad whooping because of it, because he just wanted to count. God's like, who cares? And the, the verse in 1 Samuel says, the Lord can save by many or by few. <laughs> he can save by many or few. Like he can have one person pray and you get healed, or he can have 10 people gather around you pray and you get healed. It doesn't matter to him. He can save by many or by few. I want you to see this picture. So Jesus, 
just announces that the Spirit of the Lord is on him. He's anointed him. He just gets baptized. All this stuff happens. And then the Holy Spirit leads him where? Where? How long was he in the wilderness? Look at the, the, the picture here. For 40 days, he was in the wilderness to be tested by the enemy. How did the enemy test him? He brought the stuff Jesus knew, his father's words and his way of doing things. And he says, hey, Jesus, why don't you turn these stones to bread? You can do it. I've, I know you have the power. Old weapon of warfare. Jesus could have done it. But to go into the promised land of his purpose, Jesus could not use his self-will to make things happen. He had to trust the Lord. And he said to him, it is, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is a callback to what happened here. Just do whatever I tell you to do. You see the picture? Then the enemy comes and says, just throw yourself down from this temple. I know your, your, your God says in the word, he'll send the angels to protect you. That as you fall, they will gather you and catch you so that you don't even cut your foot against a stone. And Jesus has said, do not put the Lord God to a test. Third time, where does he take him? High on the temple. Hey, Jesus, you see all this? I own it all right now. It's mine. This is Satan talking. This is mine. But if you'll just bow down just one time and just worship me and recognize me as, as equal to you, I'll give it to you now and you don't have to go through what you're about to go through. And what did Jesus say? Worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. The old ways of war, the, the enemy tries to come in and, and take things that we have had victories before and get us to use familiar tactics when all we need to do now is to just do whatever the Lord tells us to do. He knows the land he's sending us to. He knows the enemies that occupy the space. He knows how to defeat them. And here's the best news of all of it. He's already gone before you and he's made war with your enemies for you. That's the best news of all of it. He trains my hands for war so that they, so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. I haven't felt like that a lot, but I'm starting to. Anyone else? Once you stand, like here's the thing. I think, I think what I feel is that the Lord can do whatever he wants to do today. So if we just give him the access. So Father, yeah, why don't you pray with me? We ask that you would take your word and lodge it in our hearts that we will not sin against you. Take your word today, Father, as seed sow it in our hearts that it may produce fruit. We break fear, timidity, and inferiority right now in Jesus' name. We break off regret in Jesus' name. And the Lord gave me this word Wednesday night that we're going to be able to have a house where we are able to break regret off of people so that the train of failures and regrets that we drag through life with us are going to stop. Because often those regrets pause us in timidity 
and make us afraid to do something because we're afraid we're going to mess up. But here's the deal. It's impossible to mess up when we do what the Lord tells us to do. It's impossible to mess up. Those who trust in the Lord will not be disappointed. Whew. So Jesus, we come to you. We ask that you would send your perfect love right now and drive out all fear. If you've been struggling with fear or timidity or intimidation, inferiority, ask him to come with love now. Father, send your love and make war with our fear. Drive it out. Jehovah, you're a mighty man of war. Ooh. I feel so loved by you, God. <laughs> yeah, someone just tell him that. I feel so loved by you, God. We rest in your love. We're going to do a couple of different altar times, altar calls. The first one is, I'd like to know if there's anyone here who does not have a promise from God for your life. Anyone at all. You don't know what God's promised you. You don't know what he has for you. You don't know the promised land. You don't know your Canaan. Anyone like that? Would you just raise your hand? Yeah, we have someone right here. We have someone right there. Would someone go to each of these ladies? We have a lady in the front, lady here in the, in the almost the back row right there. Would you prophesy over them right now? Let the Lord say words through you. Prophesy future destiny. Come on. This is a prophetic house. There's a prophetic intercession. We declare the word of the Lord of these ladies. Anyone else? Any men in here, you need a Canaan to go after. Anyone at all? Yes, sir. Right here. Uh, can some of you men lay hands on our, on our guest here? Daniel, thank you, sir. Yes, God. Give him a Canaan. Give him a target. Where there is no vision, the people perish. God, give us vision today. Give us your vision today, God. The next thing I want, y'all keep praying if you're praying with these. If you're, I, I feel like there's a few people here that have been in perpetual war and you haven't seen a victory in a long time and it just feels like it's just the grind of warfare and you're worn out a little bit and you need victory today. Would you just raise your hand if that's you? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay, come on, Lord. The Lord of the breakthrough, Jehovah, come on. Lord of the breakthrough, Belperism, Lord of the breakthrough, we ask that you break through. If you're close to them, we have uh, Lianza there in the back. We have ladies right here. Would you just lay hand on them and pray, God, come make war for them. Come bring victory. Whew. Victory in Jesus' name. We declare turnaround right now. In Whew. We declare Isaiah 40 that their youth will be renewed like the eagles right now in Jesus' name. Even young people grow tired and weary, but those who hope in the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. We declare that over these right now. 
We declare victory in Jesus' name. We expect a testimony of victory. Give them war victories, God. <laughs> Put iron in their souls. Train their hands for battle. more things we're going to pray. So as a church, we're going to ask for the Lord to be the captain of this army. And we're just going to do whatever he tells us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I think we prayed it a minute ago. Shagun prayed it but about putting Jesus in the seat of authority. That's what we're doing now. And, and we're going to make it a personal thing. Like Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. So if you haven't done that, this is the time. Do that. Make, the, make him Lord of your life. You'll never regret it. But we're also making a declaration as a church that the Lord is the captain of this house, that the things he's spoken of this house are worth fighting for. So Jesus, we put you in the seat of authority. We humble ourselves. And we say yes, sir, to you. Whatever you tell us, we will do. We will not second guess anything you tell us. We will obey because obedience is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than our offerings of fat of rams and bulls and worship. So God, We break rebellion off of our lives. Oh, God. Father, to be honest, rebellion is like air we breathe. It's so common. It's the way we were raised. It's the nature of the sinful man. It's the culture. So God, I ask that you would come in and remove rebellion from our hearts. Circumcise our hearts. Remove the reproach of rebellion and disobedience from our hearts. And God, for this church, it's not my church. It's not our church. It's yours. And the future of this house is in your hands. And we will say, yes, sir. Why don't you just pray over the church for a moment, if you will.
because we're about to go into a season of warfare and it's not going to be like what we think. It's going to be victorious warfare. I'm going to say we're about to go through a season of conquest. It's just going to be through obedience. So yes, Holy Spirit, do what you need to do in us now. Circumcise our hearts. Get Egypt out of us. Break the slave mentality out of our hearts, Lord. Put the zeal for your house upon us. Train our hands for war. If you tell us to speak to the rock, we'll speak to it, even if we struck it the first time. Holy Spirit, I ask that you bring great unity in this house. There'll be the unity of the Spirit here. Father, as a church, take our eyes off the mundane, take our eyes off the weekly struggle or the daily battle, and get our eyes on the promised land. Let's just pray for a minute. It's a house of prayer. Korea basso to the bashambara kesi tirida riro de bosuria de basso pokoro de bosso tadie kipo mana de bossate masatara de boria de bokuturu de bosuria tadada de bossi Korea de bosondoria de 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 bosanda Mokuria de bosso to toro de bosuria tadada de bossi Kinda de de bosuria de 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 bossi Turn us into different people, God. Holy Spirit, put us on like a glove. That's what it says of Gideon. It says that the Holy Spirit put Gideon on like a glove. How many want that? Holy Spirit, put me on like a glove. the activation of new gifts in your life right now. New tools, new weapons of war. 
We're going to open the altar. If you want prayer or need prayer for anything else, we want to pray for you here at the front. But to close things out, I want to ask you, would you just pray for someone close to you? If you've prayed for them three or four times today, that's fine. Maybe it's the fifth time. This is just going to shift something. I don't know. But just pray for them. Bless them. May the presence of the Lord be on you. May the Holy Spirit fill you and consume you. May you never be the same again. May our sons and daughters prophesy. It's for us, it's for our children and our children's children. For as many as the Lord calls. This is for you. This is for generations. Yeah. We declare a baptism of the Holy Spirit for our families. For our sons and daughters. Yes. We plead the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus over our families. We break the spirits that come to steal, kill, destroy. But Jesus came to give life abundantly. We'll release that life in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Woo. Fire, fire in our bellies, fire in our bellies, sword in our mouth, Lord. Anointing, anointing, anointing that breaks the yoke. Mark us, mark us with your presence. Now we're praying over our families. Come on. We plead the blood of Jesus over our sons and daughters. Send them the right spouses. Let them find the right girl, the right boy, Jesus. Let them be Holy Spirit filled. Let them have sons and daughters that prophesy. Let them heal the sick, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Let them perform signs and wonders that the name of Jesus would be honored and praised on the earth. That the name of Jesus would be feared again. That our enemies would see that God is with us and that they would lose heart. We will never be the same, God. We'll never be the same. Victory is ours, says the Lord. Victory is ours, says the Lord. Victory is ours, says the Lord. Victory, victory, victory. Shh. Somebody,